Marco on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how it goes. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. Presented by High Times Magazine. See me, I say, boom, bang. Big respect. See me, I say, Danny Danko. Right, thank you once again, as usual, to Winstrong and DJ Jack for the lovely tune, Free Weed. Episode number 26 is here, presented to you by High Times Magazine. And I am Danny Danko, here with Mike Hughes. Hey, everybody, how's it going? The first thing we should mention, Dan, um, we kind of stepped up our game this week. Do we sound good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got some new equipment, some new microphones, a mixing board, all kinds of real fun gadgetry, so... We're excited about that. Thank you to all our sponsors and listeners for uh, helping us upgrade, and we're, we're very excited. Yeah, we're still pretending that we know what we're doing, but at least we have better stuff to pretend with now. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, listen to that rich, rich sound. Ooh, so rich. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tell us about the episode today, episode 26. Yeah, episode number 26. I'm really excited. I think it's just great that uh, we just keep these things going, and... We are going to continue on. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, our September issue. We're going to talk about some of the uh, incidents that have happened out west with the dispensaries in Los Angeles and in the Bay Area. Uh, We're going to talk about growing marijuana for your own personal (laughs) uses and how to do that. We're going to talk about hydroponics. We've got some interesting guests on as well, and we're going to be talking to Franco from Greenhouse Seeds, Greenhouse Coffee Shop, Strain Hunters, and uh, the right-hand man for Ariane at the Greenhouse. So we'll be talking to him as well. Very cool. All right, let's take a little break, then we'll come back, and we have a heck of a show. Yeah, man. Welcome back. Stick around. Hey, welcome back. Uh, want to get into some of the news going on with the uh, dispensary raids. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the biggest thing going on right now. These, it's not really raids. It's, uh, it's the L.A. City Council, and they have uh, passed a ban on dispensaries in Los Angeles. And it's going to, uh, it's going to affect pretty much everybody. There's, a, a, they believe, about 762 registered dispensaries in L.A., and the council voted unanimously that they should all be shut down. Now, of course, uh, you know, the L.A. City Council has buffooned its way through uh, these types of things before. Back in 2007, they created that uh, moratorium on dispensaries, and then eventually a judge ruled that it was illegal. And even then, it hadn't stopped uh, dispensaries from opening. And, you know, uh, beyond that, in 2010, they wanted 400 dispensaries to close. Those were all the ones that uh, came about after the 2007 moratorium. Of course, that didn't work, and uh, that was two years ago now. And now, uh, once again, they want all these dispensaries to close with the caveat uh, that there's the possibility that the original dispensaries uh, before the 2007 moratorium, the 182 shops that were registered, will be allowed to continue to exist. So we just have to wait and see. A lot of it's up in the air. It's a bit of a, a turbulent and, and a difficult time if you own a dispensary in Los Angeles right now. But given the history of the L.A. City Council and their inability to stop these uh, businesses, 
I, I, it's it's hard to take this. You, you have to you have to take it you know seriously, but it, it may not be the worst thing in the world. In addition, there is a state supreme court ruling that is coming down, uh, but it could take a little while to get there. I just we haven't heard the uh, the end of this. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the problem going on in L.A. Uh, in the Bay Area, again, they went after uh, you know Harborside. Uh, there was a big, huge protest that involved uh, you know, a lot of the activists in that area uh, last Monday. And, uh, yeah, we have a, a guest that's going to come on with some interesting theories about why these raids are going on and how that might be connected to the pharmaceutical industry's uh, proposed sort of takeover of, uh, of the cannabis world. And so, um, yeah, why don't we bring on, bring on Rick uh, yeah, Rick, Rick Cusick, associate publisher of High Times Magazine. He's going to come in and, uh, and give his thoughts on why uh, these things are happening. So, uh, Rick, uh, you've heard about these raids in Los Angeles, and well, the, the threats to the dispensaries in Los Angeles and in the Bay Area as well. Uh, and you have some interesting ideas about uh, how this relates to the pharmaceutical industry? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody's surprised that these raids are going on. And everybody's saying, what, what, you know, Obama came in, he said that he was going to pull back on uh, medical marijuana so long as they adhered to state laws, and that isn't happening at all. So what's the idea here? What exactly are they trying to accomplish? Well, if you look at some of the things that have happened in uh, medical marijuana and on the, the other side of the equation the past couple of years, I, I don't pretend to know what's going to happen, but I got an idea that in the next year or two, uh, we're going to see uh, GW Pharmaceuticals, uh, pharmaceutical drug Sativex, Sativex, uh, is going to come on the American market. They're fast-tracking it to the FDA now. And um, I believe that they're continuing the raids in California, and they're continuing the aggressions in the various states having to do with medical marijuana because ultimately they're going to try and bring Sativex. They're going to turn around and say, you know something? There is some medical application for cannabis, and uh, we've provided it now in a uh, pharmaceutical called Sativex, and uh, you buy it at your drugstore, and it is uh, distributed by Bayer, and you've got to get a prescription from your doctor. And the rest of you people who are smoking all that shit, all those uh, dispensaries out in California, you're still criminals. You always have been under federal law. And that's proved by the aggressions that they're doing right now. Right. And, and Sativex is already legal in Spain, Germany, Denmark, New Zealand, the U.K., and Canada. And being fast-tracked right now to be legal here? Yeah, it's been fast-tracked now. And it's been around for, oh, I guess about 15 years now. And a lot of our people, a lot of uh, marijuana law reformers, welcomed Sativex uh, and GW Pharmaceuticals and Dr. Guy when they first came on the scene. And... Um, and that it seemed as if, you know, well, this had to be a good thing, having a real pharmaceutical drug, not like Marinol, which, which is a synthetic that doesn't really mimic anything of cannabis. But Sativex is supposed to be very close to the, to the gold standard of marijuana. And I think that uh, a lot of our people thought that was a very positive thing. But it turned out that uh, in February 2005, GW Pharmaceuticals hired Dr. Andrea Barthwell, who is the number three drug czar in the George Bush administration, Bush II administration. And uh, why would GW Pharmaceuticals hire Dr. Andrea Barthwell, the number three drug czar, to be their proponent in the FDA? And uh, 
The reason why is because, as I said, I believe that the drug warrior class is going to sit around here and turn around. They know they're losing the medical marijuana conversation, so the best way they can really fight it is to co-opt it and say, you know something? You're right. When you need your medical marijuana, we got something right here for you. It's called Sativex. And the rest of you, you better go running for the hills. Uh, let me tell you something. I, I've been watching this for a while. In, I, I don't know whether or not Dr. Barthwells continues to work for GW Pharmaceuticals. They don't make daily announcements about this sort of thing. But she certainly did, was there in 2005. And uh, back then when that happened, Ethan Nadelman, who is the executive director of the Drug Policy Alliance, described Dr. Barthwell as, quote, one of the most aggressive, dishonest, and venal people ever to work at the Office of National Drug Control Policy. Barthwell very explicitly says she views GW efforts as a way to kill all other medical marijuana efforts in this country, and GW would do well to reconsider this hire. That's Ethan Nadelman. And I'll tell you, this one blew me away. Uh, when she was working for GW, she was asked by the Los Angeles Times about the difference between Sativex and marijuana. And she said, and I'm quoting, comparing crude marijuana to Sativex is like comparing a raging forest fire to the fire in your home's furnace. While both provide heat, one is out of control. And that hmm. is what GW Pharmaceuticals is position is as far as medical marijuana, whole smoke marijuana goes, and they're coming right down the pike with a pharmaceutical that's going to put all those dispensaries out of business, or at least they're going to give it a shot. Mar you know, whole marijuana that you grow yourself uh, is, is the best medicine. That is the gold standard. Yeah. And they're trying so hard to imitate the gold standard. There's no need to imitate the gold standard. We have the gold standard. All right. Well, thanks, Rick, for coming on and uh, opening our eyes to some of the things that might be going on behind the scenes. We're going to keep this story going on the show. You know, next week we hope to speak with some dispensary owners in Los Angeles who are sort of involved in the scene. But uh, thanks again, Rick. That's really interesting food for thought. And uh, stick around. Uh, we're going to do a little preview of our September issue coming up next. Come to Seattle, the greenest city on Earth, on September 14th, 15th, and 16th to celebrate the greenery of the Pacific Northwest. That's right. High Times Magazine is hosting the High Times Medical Cannabis Cup in the Emerald City. Top businesses of the cannabis industry will be in attendance, showcasing cultivation gear, paraphernalia, stoner apparel, and more. Check out the finest cannabis products of the medical cannabis industry. Meet High Times Cultivation Editors Danny Danko and Nico Escondido. They'll teach you how to grow top-grade ganja and Elise McDonald. McDonough will be there, too. She's the author of the official High Times Cannabis Cookbook. Be there for the High Times Medical Cannabis Cup Awards when High Times honors the top sativas, indicas, hybrids, edibles, and concentrates submitted by Washington's top dispensaries. And don't forget the High Times Bash for VIPs on Friday night, one major party with top musical guests. Go to MedCanCup.com for details. Come to Seattle for the High Times Medical Cannabis Cup on September 14th, 15th, and 16th at Fremont Studios. All right, we are back, and we are talking about the September issue of High Times Magazine. This is our yearly Stash Awards issue. Always wonderful. Stash standing for 
Significant Technological Achievements in Secretive Horticulture. And now, who came up with that acronym? I believe it was Chris Simonek, our new editor-in-chief. Chris Simonek, my goodness. Yeah, because we've had the Stash Awards for, for years now. Yeah, yeah. He and Kyle Cushman invented it as uh, a way to highlight some of these new products for cannabis cultivation. And now, I believe it's in its 14th year. And I've been I've been writing it for a number of years. So. I was about to say, you, you've been hitting it up for well, uh, yeah. me the and Nico. 10 or so. Me and Nico, yeah. We, we, uh, we scour the earth to find these products. I just got back from the hydroponics trade show in San Francisco just this past weekend and saw a bunch of great new products. And this issue highlights uh, tons of growing equipment, uh, trimming, harvesting equipment, uh, grow lights, all kinds of innovations in the industry of hydroponic and, and basically indoor farming in particular. So a uh, ton of products, I think 18 or 20 products, all lovingly reviewed and, and described there. Yeah, very cool. Stash Awards, it's always something to look forward to, especially, you know, if you're a grower, you're a gearhead, you like that kind of stuff. It's all right here and, um, you know, accompanied by excellent photos and where you could find these things. Uh, but that's not all September has. What, what else is in this not issue? Not at all. Our coverage of our Denver High Times Medical Cannabis Cup is there with great, uh, great photography, uh, great listings of all of the strains. We've got uh, the concentrates. Everything from that event uh, is described there. We have an article by a new contributor, Vinnie Kaz, about uh, growing in swamp land, in swampy territories and stuff. Very interesting. Uh, very, there's some, some pros and some cons there. I was going to say, when you first pitched the, uh, the swamp growing story, it was a while ago, I, I didn't know what to think, but it actually it turned out very well. It's an interesting article, and, and there's a lot to learn there, so very good. Yeah, and some of the photos for that article are, are mine as well uh, from a swamp grow that I visited in Vancouver Island, which uh, was very, very fun and interesting trip. Uh, there's an article about the Mexican drug war and how they're using uh, different artifacts and uh, brutal images and, and even uh, bloody sheets and things uh, to make artwork to, sh- to show and focus people's attention on the fact that you know, fifty thousand people have uh, have been killed down there in the past since maybe two thousand six or seven, since they ramped up this uh, drug war, and the cartels are just you know killing each other right and left and cutting people's heads off. It's really bad. Uh, on the grow level, there is a tissue culture propagation article, very interesting. Nico brought this one in from uh, our uh, frequent contributor Greg Green. This is about tissue culture, which is an advanced uh, method of cloning where you can actually, it's cellular cloning, you can just have tiny little pieces of a plant and you can use that to produce uh, multiple versions of that plant and you can also keep it in general stasis. So it's actually a great way to store genetics and to keep, to make sure genetics aren't aren't lost ever. One of the things that's, that's cool there is you, you could have an entire library a catalog of different strains but it's not going to take up a lot of room no you're just taking a little bit of the tissue of each one and, and they're all there for your uh, future use absolutely when i was in uh, spain in the basque country in san sebastian i visited a tissue propagation uh, tissue culture propagation place and they had literally uh, thousands and thousands of these uh, uh, bits of leaf material sitting in the agar jars and uh, basically suspended in time. So it was really interesting. And uh, another thing I'm really excited about, the Brian Cranston interview. This uh, yeah, is quite Cranston. a get for us. Definitely, yeah. The star of Breaking Bad, a multiple Emmy Award winner, very talented guy. 
Yeah, I mean, what, and, and uh, Malcolm in the Middle, he was yeah, on that before. Yeah, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine the dad from Malcolm in the Middle is now um, Walt White, the, uh, yeah. the drug criminal, the methamphetamine uh, manufacturer on Breaking right. Bad. So, and great I, interview. I have something to confess. I actually have not seen an episode of Breaking Bad. I just. Yeah, Dan, Dan and I were it. talking about this just before the show. He, he's missing out on something. It's a, it's a heck of a show. I just did a little marathon over the weekend to catch up. Uh, I hadn't seen season four. And uh, my goodness, you, you're really in for a treat because yeah. you're going you're to go watch them all, right? I'm starting with episode one, uh, I guess. Uh, I'm going to do my own version of a, of a marathon on, on those. And yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I only hear great things and everybody tells me I need to check it out. I know it's crazy that I haven't, but I will. And I'm actually doing starting that tonight uh, with a marathon of the first season and, we'll, and then we'll see where we get from there. Yeah, come back next week and, uh, and report to us. I, I got to say, you know, I hate it when shows get overhyped and everyone says you have to see them and then you see them and you're like, God, I don't know why everyone likes that so much. This will live up to the hype. You're going to you're going to love it. So uh, enjoy that. Yeah, I'm excited about it too, and the fact that we got this interview uh, and and perfectly timed with the you know the newest season, season five, and he's got some really interesting things to say about uh, you know the war on drugs and particularly marijuana and stuff. So uh, check that out. That's the issue that's on newsstands now. Our September 2012 High Times magazine. Very cool. All right. What do you say uh, we take a little break and come back with Franco from Greenhouse? Awesome. Let's do it. All right. Don't criticize this is Piotage Phenomenal, the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. Did you know that more than 400,000 Americans were arrested last year for the possession of marijuana? People are being sentenced to up to 40 years for even standing beside a joint. Well, I think it is definitely time for you to help doing something towards this. To find out what you can do, just write normal. N-O-R-M-L. 1600 K Street Northwest, Washington, D.C., 2006. That's 1600 K Street Northwest, Washington, D.C., 2006. Help normal to help protect your rights. All right, welcome back. We are speaking with Franco of the Greenhouse Coffee Shop, Greenhouse Seed Company, and Strain Hunter. Welcome, Franco. Hey, it's a true honor to be uh, with the podcast at High Times. And uh, especially uh, pleasant uh, because we are uh, enjoying a really nice uh, period here in Amsterdam. Full sun, summertime, tourists are uh, are invading the coffee shops in the city. Nice, so. nice. Yeah, I'm always there, like I said, in November. But uh, yeah, summertime is nice. With a few, you said the few times that they get to see the sun and they get energized. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a visible factor here in the in the local mood it's in, in in summer you get the full terraces and the people really enjoy life a lot more here right well let's uh, I, there's a lot of confusion here and outside of amsterdam i think about what's going on with the coffee shops can can you clear some of that up for us a little bit it's uh, still quite hazy for uh, for us as well because uh, at the moment uh, the only sure thing is that the coffee shop in the southern provinces at the border with Belgium and Germany are close to the tourists. And there's another sure thing, which is in September there's going to be elections. So a new government will, will uh, replace the, the president one that, that decided these new rules. And uh, um, is, is it, is it possible that the, that yeah. new government will, uh, will end that restriction? 
Yes, it's very likely, actually. It's oh, not excellent. possible, but it's very likely, especially for what concerns the area of Amsterdam, because uh, uh, it's not only um, the coffee shop industry and the people that, that, that make use of the coffee shops that are in favor of them. It's, of course, uh, one of the biggest factors in the economy of the city. So Yeah, the hotels, the, the, uh, the, the airlines, uh, the, the hotels, the taxi drivers, everybody gets a piece of the pie in the end. And uh, especially in these uh, harsh economic times, uh, it's not uh, it's not really wise for for a city like Amsterdam to go on that path. Yeah, absolutely. And the politicians know it, and the incoming government, the the the, the people who are likely to get elected in September, already declared that uh, probably they're gonna easy up on these measures because uh, yeah, it's, it's it's madness. How can they do something like that? Absolutely. Um, and if people don't know, uh, we are talking with Franco. He is the right-hand man for Arian and the Greenhouse Coffee Shops. Uh, they've, these coffee shops have been around, I think, since 1985? Correct. Yeah. Arian started uh, in 1985 uh, breeding uh, the genetics, and then the first coffee shop was actually opened in 1992. 92, okay. And then the rest followed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that history is pretty amazing. Uh, you guys have actually won the most cannabis cups of any of any uh, seed company or coffee shop, uh, past and present, and yeah, we're very proud of that. Actually, it's yeah. uh, it's what it's also the cannabis cup is one of the factors that made Greenhouse uh, as big as it is today. I mean, back in '94 when we participated in our first first cup, that was even before my time, before I joined uh, the company. But uh, I know very well from Arian and from the history that uh, by joining the cannabis cup and by by going international back then. We uh, we were on the right path to to achieve what we achieved uh, today. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. I mean, now there are three shops, a uh, clothing company. Uh, we seed... have co- four four coffee shops. Now. Oh, four coffee shops! Wow, four coffee shops Excellent. in Amsterdam. Yes, and the clothing company is going quite good. It's a it's a new concept. Strain Hunter is a very big concept for us at the moment. It's something that we are we are bringing on very uh, very strongly. It's not just marketing for us, but it's really a, a new way to go mainstream, uh, producing documentaries and showing the, the situation of cannabis in, in places around the planet where it's quite difficult to, to get through or to, to discover. Mm-hmm. And besides this, there's a new adventure that we are in recently, uh, the, the feeding. We launched uh, in Barcelona in February of 2012, our new uh, company, Greenhouse Powder Feeding. Yeah, I saw that on the website. That's... Uh... That's a, a plant food, like nutrient? Yes, nutrients specifically targeted and designed uh, for uh, uh, strains. So we have a specific product for indicas, a specific product for sativas, and a specific one for hybrids. Wow. So very uh, very specific, specific for our industry and for, for the plants that our customers uh, like to grow, actually. Yeah, and also I uh, wanted to talk to you about the seed selector. Uh, that yeah, something that you guys seem to be very, very proud of, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a it's a prototype. It's not it's not really a product yet. Um, it's a one uh, one uh, machine that we design and develop together with a team of researchers from Germany and Switzerland. And it took a long time to put together. Uh, we started from existing pieces of hardware. Uh, we developed the software and the algorithms entirely uh, ourselves. And that took a really, uh, really big effort, uh, both financially and in terms of, of, of time and commitment. A big headache, if you want to summarize it in one word. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but in the end, uh, it all came together after four and a half years of work, and um, we are now we have now our hands on something unique because it's it's in fact unique in our industry, and thanks to this machine, we can uh, guarantee the quality of our seeds, which is something that uh, pretty much wasn't was impossible from from a scientific point of view up to up to this moment. Wow. Cool. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Strain Hunter DVDs. If people don't know um, about that, it's actually something Arian told me about years and years ago. He said, you know, you can't you can't have new genetics without going around and 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 actually traveling to find the land races and all the original genetics. And now you guys have turned that into a DVD uh, series, uh, I Absolutely. believe. And and what are what are some of the places you guys have been? Uh, in the past, we started the old strain hunter adventure with uh, Malawi, which is a country in Central Africa, mm-hmm. and that the reason why we started there is because we had really good contacts uh, on the field there, and through our uh, friends and colleagues Simon, we were able to organize a, an expedition there to go look for the original land races of the Malawi Gold and the Malawi Black, and uh, that was kind of an experiment. We didn't really plan this thing to become a series of docu- of documentaries, but once we realized, once we were busy with the first one back in 2018 in, in the jungle of Malawi, we realized that we were onto something and that we had the possibility to really make a difference, to, to bring some information out in our industry that was really missing to the general public, which is, as you said before, the importance of the land race material. We, we should not forget that all the thousands of strains that we all enjoy at the moment and that, that all the sick people benefit from at the moment are crosses that in the end uh, come from original land race material. And when you have the possibility to uh, bring back these genetics that are inbreeding with themselves, isolated from the rest for a really long period of time, then you have access to a quality of genetics that are very pure, very well stabilized, and very resistant to certain characteristics. And starting from this material, it's possible to do a, a higher level of breeding that is not possible to achieve uh, when you start from uh, things that are already crosses themselves. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Malawi was the first one. And then after, after that, after we that... went to India. We had the, the India expedition in the mountains of Himalayas looking for the original land races that they used to produce the, the famous Chara Sashish. Um, after that, we went to, on to Morocco. We uh, completed a series of the Hash adventures with Morocco. And there we explored all the different valleys of the reef where they produced the 70% of the hashish that is circulating on the planet, actually. And um, then we went on to the Caribbean. Yeah, Um, the new new one is uh, Trinidad, right? Yes, Trinidad and St. Vincent. Uh, We chose these two islands in the Caribbean because, again, we had very good contacts in the field, but also because they represent the two extremes, uh, if you want, on the cannabis uh, uh, issue in the Caribbean. Uh, Trinidad being the most uh, repressive island, the one where the laws are very harsh against cannabis and where the old cannabis scene is very hidden, very underground, very prosecuted. And St. Vincent being one of the most relaxed and most tolerant and islands in the Caribbean and also one where the production of cannabis is, is massive, is, is the export is very well organized. It's one of the, the center points of of cannabis productions in the area. 
Wow, cool. Well, that's exciting. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing uh, it's, uh seeing that was the new a very one very nice adventure, yeah. And and then Jamaica. Jamaica is uh, the new exp- the new adventure that we will launch actually at the Cannabis Cup this year. Oh, cool. And um yeah, and we are we are still completely uh, convinced that Jamaica was a unique experience because of the role that cannabis has on the island. It's for sure one of the places on the planet where uh, cannabis is the most integrated into society, into every aspect of society, from religion to recreational to music to it. It, it literally permeates them. So it's going to be a great movie too. Nice, nice. Um, so you guys have won thirty-four High Times Cannabis Cups. I want to talk about some of these uh, award-winning strains here. Um, White Widow is one of my favorites from the mid '90s. That oh, cool. that really changed changed the game for a lot of the growers. Um, Absolutely, it just became this super frosty, very dense, uh, and very flavorful, and very very frosty. It's, I can't overemphasize how right. much uh, yeah. trichome production is. You know, Absolutely, the white widow is one of the one of the most famous strains on the planet today. Still, even though it's very, uh, it's been it's been on the top for a long time, let's say. Mm-hmm. But there are strains like, for example, also the super silverase. These kind of plants will never die. They're right. plants that 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 are that acquired a certain name between breeders and between people that really count in the industry for a long time, and then yeah, they they just maintain their their fame for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, lately, people have been uh, very excited about the Super Lemon Haze. Definitely. Um, It's our last Cannabis Cup winner, uh, double Cannabis Cup winner, actually, two years in a row. And that's a a very unique plant because uh, it's the first time that we were able to stabilize a genetic that contains uh, uh, such a peak of the turpent limonene. And the limonene is uh, definitely one of the most pleasant turpents when it comes to flavor and, and aroma in cannabis. And it's very difficult to find strains where this peak is is, is reproducible constantly. But with the super lemonades, we were uh, we hit the spot, and uh, also der- derived, by the way, from the super silver eyes. So mm-hmm. again, the pedigree was there already. Yeah, that super silver is is amazing as well. Very very popular in the coffee shops. Definitely. Too. Uh, and the Neville's haze, of course, is, that's the one of the originals oh, I- and. Neville says is uh, again very old school sativa for us. Uh, it's uh, probably in Amsterdam considered one of the most sativas in, in, that are around. Um, definitely a plant that not really the youngest crowd appreciate. It's more a plant that's appreciated by artists, by a little bit of an older crowd, more mature crowd. Uh, definitely one of the most introspective, uh, trippy sativa experiences that I can think of. Wow. Nice. Well, that's great. Uh, let's talk a little bit about growing some of these strains. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people make uh, when they're growing uh, as beginners? Uh, as beginners, I would say one of the most common mistakes I see, at least here in Europe, is to not use enough uh, light to, uh, to, to try to achieve great results only by using 250 watts or 400 watts of electricity. A lot of growers have uh, limited resources when it comes to power here in Europe. Another very common mistake is the overwatering. A lot of people tend to keep cannabis always watered, always moist. They don't really realize that the most positive uh, way to stimulate vigor in cannabis is kind of to 
go for the sponge effect in the medium to let uh, a big amount of water uh, be substituted by a big amount of oxygen to the root system in, in intervals. And yeah, this, these are mistakes that, that most, most beginners tend to do. Also, I have to say that nowadays I see less and less mistakes from beginners because there is more and more information available online and our community is, is kind of less scared of sharing information than it was a few years ago. So nice. I have to say that growers, growers worldwide are, are definitely becoming more aware of techniques and more aware of, of mistakes. And, and you can see people, people that grow cannabis and put passion in it, they really learn from their mistakes quickly. Nice. And now what about uh, drying and curing? I noticed on the website you have some, uh, some tips and tricks. Yes, uh, absolutely. For us, the drying, uh, we, we, we give a, a great deal of importance because you can grow the best cannabis on the planet, but if you don't dry it and cure it properly, it will lose a great deal of quality. And the drying has to be slow. In our, in our view, uh, we never um, dry cannabis for uh, less than 10 to 14 days. And then when you are down to a water content between 10 and 14%, according to, to your preference and to the type of, of, of strains that you're drying, then the best thing to do is go directly to curing and cure very slowly for, you would say, three to eight weeks. It's a normal curing time for us when we want to achieve something very tasty and, and, and very particular. We can go on and cure longer. But after eight, eight months of curing, uh, the decay begins. So it's kind of... It's a thin line. It's something you have to play with. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, you guys actually provide um, all of these strains in feminized form, guaranteed uh, hermaphrodite-free. Uh, Absolutely. So it, you do have auto-flowering strains as well, right? Yeah, we have a line of uh, seven auto-flowering strains at the moment, and we are also working to develop uh, four or five new ones for the next 12 months. Nice. Cool. Auto-flowering cool. are very popular in Europe just because... They are uh, the only way for uh, outdoor commercial growers to maximize their summer production. They are they're basically the most feasible, convenient way to, to do three, four, five crops in one outdoor season instead of just one. So they're getting very, very popular in Europe, especially in, in southern Europe. Yeah, it seems in, in Spain you, you can't... Uh... You can't even get regular seeds at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's an invasion of uh, of auto flowering, and definitely everything is feminized. People uh, uh, were a little bit uh, um, wary of of feminized uh, seeds a few years ago, but nowadays the techniques have been perfected, and we can we can really guarantee the quality of the feminized seeds. There are still a few, a very few cases of hermaphroditism or male plants that pop out, but they are so uh, few in number that we feel uh, uh, solid in our guarantee. And when, when the few customers that might experience a problem uh, contact us, we always replace our seed material. Yeah, well, you guys have impeccable customer service and a long, long history of, uh, of uh, tremendous products. So if, 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 if people want to take a look at, uh, at what, what you guys offer, they can go to greenhouseseeds.nl? That's correct. That's our main portal for the seed company. Uh, we also have a, a strainhunters.com portal mm -hmm. where we have our forum, our grow forum, our uh, tester programs. We implement uh, testing programs on our genetics. So uh, we kind of recruit uh, uh, volunteer growers from all over the world on our forum and we give them 
free seeds in exchange for uh, grow reports so that uh, we give uh, the possibility of testing to all kinds of growers, amateurs, uh, as well as professionals. And we let the world see that our seeds are, are uh, effective in several uh, uh, climates, in several grow rooms, in, in different uh, mediums, in different uh, light situations. So it's, it's kind of a testing program to, to keep us sharp and to, to show that, that we really are onto the quality of our products. Cool, cool. And if, if people want to come over to Amsterdam uh, or they want to check out uh, the coffee shop, uh, Greenhouse Coffee Shop uh, situation, that's greenhouse.org? Uh, at the moment, uh, it's uh, still uh, problematic to uh, advertise uh, coffee shops online uh, due to oh, okay. the uh, Dutch uh, regulations. But uh, uh, we uh, definitely uh, link uh, uh, all the coffee shop information on the Greenhouse Seed Company website. And you can uh, definitely find the coffee shop information on Facebook. We have uh, also a coffee shop website, which is greenhouse.org, as you said. But at the moment, it's not, uh, there's not a lot of information just because of the restrictions of the Dutch government. Right. Well, I always tell people, uh, you know, if they're going to be in Amsterdam, they have to visit uh, the Greenhouse Coffee Shop. <laughs> we're not hard to find. If you ask anyone in town, they'll know where to point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the celebrities uh, on the wall that have been there and on, and yeah. you know, the, the level of comfort, the food, the the uh, drinks, the strains, everything, uh, the hash, everything is just amazing there. Let's um, say that we have been working hard to create sort of a, a meeting point for the cannabis community in Amsterdam. You know, when people come here, there's a few strong names in the coffee shop industry that they always refer to, and, and we are really proud to be, to be part of that list. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, definitely, you know, people check out strainhunters.com, check out greenhouseseeds.nl. Uh, thank give- you, Danny, and thank, I, thank you, Right Times, for, uh, for this great uh, initiative of the podcast. And also, we are looking forward to the next Cannabis Cup to have you all guys here in Amsterdam again for the biggest party on earth in the cannabis industry. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll be there in November. And, uh, good- and this is going to be the 25th edition. Eh? It's a big one. 25th, yeah, absolutely. So we're excited, and it's good to hear that hopefully uh, those laws won't change for the worse. Uh, give Ariane my best as well, and uh, definitely. And good luck in the uh, in the championship of cannabis. Thanks very much, man. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot, Franco. Fantastic. Bye, guys. Hey, everybody, sorry to interrupt, but here at Free Weed, we have a motto. Give a man a bud, he smokes for a day. Teach a man to grow, he smokes for life. And that is from our friends at BC Northern Lights, our sponsors. And they have been around for the last 10 years making some of the greatest grow boxes on earth. The bloom box, the producer, the mothership, the nursery. These are great investments where you can grow your own free weed. Contact them at bcnorthernlights.com. You can give them a call toll-free at 888 236 1266. Check them out. BC Northern Lights. Awesome grow boxes. Great people. Great customer service. That's bcnorthernlights.com. 888-236-1266. Tell them Danny Danko's free weed sent you. All right, welcome back. Thank you so much to Franco and Greenhouse. All right, we are in our cultivation segment now, right, Mike? Yeah, cultivation, as always. And as always, we will start with the strain of the week. Strain of the week. Awesome. I love this one. 
It's called the Martian Mean Green. It's from DNA Genetics. Uh, this strain won first place in the Cannabis Cup in 2005 in the Sativa category. Uh, third place overall strains in 2006. And it was the High Times Top 10 strain, uh, one of the top 10 in 2006 as well. Uh, it's from our buddies at DNA Genetics. They pollinated a great white shark female with a Jamaican lamb's bread male, uh, then used a selection process to select back and to create the Martian Mean Green. And don't discount that Jamaican lamb's bread male because that's really what gives it that 60% or so sativa kick with a real unique uh, smell and potency. Uh, definitely reminiscent of the old, uh, you know, the Thai and the the strains of, of your that have that like chocolate Thai kind of flavor. Um, John from Gray Area Coffee Shop described it to me as a sweet, minty with hints of pine and strong as can be. Uh, and I definitely tend to agree with that. Uh, it grows well in hot or cold weather. So people who are always asking about those extreme climates uh, could definitely look into this. Uh, flowering time of about nine to 10 weeks and available at dnagenetics.com. Um, they recommend using organic nutrients and flushing really well in the last couple of weeks to get that uh, best flavor from your uh, Martian Mean Green. And I definitely agree. It's, uh, it's a very great strain, very interesting, very unique and tasty, and uh, an award winner. So I'd say if you're interested in trying something new that's not too tough to grow, uh, check out the Martian Mean Green from DNA Genetics. Very cool. And, and a question I get a lot about this one is, how did it get its name? How did it get the Martian Mean Green name? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I know they have like a kind of a theme of, uh, of space theme kind of thing. And I, I'd have to ask Don and Aaron. We'll have, uh, we'll have one of them on the show in the near future, and I'll remember to ask them about that name. Yeah, uh, very cool. We'll check that out. I'm sure we'll chat with one of them pretty soon. Um, and, uh, you know, as always, you could get all of Dan's Strains of the Week on HighTimes.com. They're right there. And uh, you could even get information on how to contact uh, people who carry those seeds. So it's a great thing to do. We're practically giving the book away. Go check that out, HighTimes.com. One thing you mentioned uh, during that was that it won, um, or it was a High Times Top 10 strain back in 2006. You're currently working on the Top 10 strains for this year, which will be in December, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've got some real interesting ones in there as well. Yeah, and uh, one thing that we're doing that's different than any other year is we're allowing uh, you, the Freeweed listeners, the High Times readers, to go and vote for the strains you think should be the Top 10 of the year. So if you go to HighTimes.com, uh, there's a poll right there on the uh, homepage, and uh, it's, you know, vote for your favorite strain. There are 10 great strains there. You place your vote, and those results will be published in the December issue alongside Dan's top 10 strains of the year. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so uh, moving along, uh, I think it's time for our cultivation tip of the week. Yeah, and I wanted to talk a bit about hydroponics. I just returned from that hydro trade show I mentioned, and... Uh, you know, very interesting new stuff going on in that, but it's basically a very old science. Uh, people think it's very modern, but it goes back to the Hanging Gardens of Babylon uh, from way, way back in the B.C. era. And hydroponics is basically a method of growing plants using mineral nutrient solutions without soil. So uh, they're not terrestrial pr plants. Their roots are either in some sort of a medium that has water uh, constantly or... Uh, periodically added uh, or they're just literally sitting in oxygenated water so I definitely want to talk about that um, 
all indoor growing uh, pretty much is hydroponic in one form or another. It's soilless because, you know, we're not using earth or dirt really when we fill those five gallon or 30 gallon buckets. We're using uh, peat and uh, perlite and all kinds of things that are meant to sort of mimic uh, true soil. So uh, it's a bit of a misnomer to even say, oh, I grow in soil indoors because uh, nobody does. Almost everybody, I think, is using some kind of a soilless mix. But we are making the distinction here with cannabis growing between the uh, soilless mix that's kind of dirt-like and the soilless mixes that are using inert mediums, things like uh, uh, gravel, expanded clay pellets, uh, coconut husk, uh, the cocoa peat, and also uh, rock wool, which is really like probably the uh, chosen way that most people grow hydroponically, even though it's probably not the best uh, for the environment or even for the plants. But uh, works well, absorbs a lot of water, holds a lot of water, and uh, gives a lot of oxygen to the roots. So there are advantages to that. Uh, but some of those advantages you can get from uh, organic or closer to organic methods. Now, uh, you know, growing in hydroponic systems basically means you have to choose different techniques. There's various ways. Uh, there are ways where the water simply fills up the area uh, where the plants are and then drains to waste. Uh, there's ones that where it drains back into a reservoir and continuously uh, goes back into feeding that plant. And there's ones like deep water culture where the plant sits in the water. So I'm just going to explain a little bit about each one. Um, basically, there's the ebb and flow or flood and drain system. This is where you see the trays uh, with rock wool or with grow rocks in them. And what happens is the water is periodically pumped from the reservoir up into the tray filling up the tray for 15 minutes or so, and then drains off and back into the reservoir. This is probably the easiest way uh, for beginners to get into hydroponics because it doesn't require a lot of moving parts. There's not a lot of spraying or misting or anything like that that can go wrong. Uh, then you have your run-to-waste. I don't really recommend run-to-waste systems. Uh, a few of the larger systems are kind of like that, but um, the truth is the word waste means that it's all just being used one time. And this, these are nutrient solutions that can be reused over and over uh, over the course of a week, even sometimes two weeks, as long as you keep adding fresh water and fresh nutrient to that solution as it becomes absorbed by the plant or as it uh, evaporates. So there's that. And then uh, there's newer systems like deep water culture. Now, deep water culture is basically uh, where you take a five-gallon or larger-sized bucket and you have the water, uh, you know, your, your nutrient solution in the bottom of the bucket, and your plant sits in the top of the bucket with the roots dangling down into that solution. Um, it's a great way to grow, very fast, very explosive root growth and very explosive plant growth, as long as the factors are kept in check. And those factors are the parts per million of your food in that water, the pH of that water, and the acidity or alkalinity, that's the pH, and also uh, the oxygenation of that water. So those are things you really have to consider um, with every kind of hydroponic method. If you're using a reservoir, always have air stones in the reservoir to oxygenate it, to keep that water moving around, and to keep it very well uh, filled with O2. And, and tiny bubbles is great. And uh, 
so and even in the systems where you have the long tubes and you're using those as ebb and flow uh, it's always great to have uh, air stones even within those tubes even if it's only a couple of inches of water in the tube you oxygenate it and you really supercharge that that uh, solution and you make it a lot easier for the roots the only thing is is you're adding heat and uh, you may need a chiller in your reservoir you may need uh, a cheaper way of doing it which if it's you know feasible is to freeze a two liter you know uh, two liter bottles with filled with water and, and those will slowly uh, slowly melt and cool your your uh, reservoir water but at the same time that's really a temporary solution so if you can get yourself the chiller you'll be a lot better off um, different mediums like I said rock wool I don't really recommend too much it's easy it's uh, it's particularly easy when you're cloning plants uh, because it allows so much oxygen while still retaining that moisture. Um, pretty good environment for cloning, but there are, are alternatives, um, including cocoa core, which we talked about, the coconut stuff, um, perlite, pumice, vermiculite, uh, sand, gravel. People use all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but I would say the uh, expanded, uh, expanded clay pellets, which is what we call grow rocks, uh, work great. Uh, the cocoa core works great, or just plain uh, oxygenated nutrient solution. Um, nutrient solution, like I said, always have a pH of 6.5, 6.2, right around there, just slightly on the acidic side. Uh, oxygenate that solution at all times, and uh, make sure that your parts per million, which is the measuring of the amount of salts in that water, it's really basically gives you an idea of how much nutrient you have doesn't really go above 1500 parts per million kind of want to dial it in somewhere between anywhere depending on the strain anywhere between uh, six or seven hundred to about 1500 uh, if it's a heavy feeder uh, I wrote a great well I shouldn't say great but I wrote a uh, history of hydroponics and it's on our website at hightimes.com you can check that out uh, that's got a lot of the uh, the history, the research that went into developing all the different hydroponic systems, the um, soilless culture in general, and it goes back to, you know, as far as those hanging gardens of Babylon and into uh, World War II and, and then into the 80s, 70s and 80s when it became uh, pioneered here for indoor cannabis growing. Uh, also should mention aeroponics, which is basically when the roots are sitting in air and misted with an oxygenated solution, uh, a fine mist. And uh, you, you do get amazing root growth and you do get amazing plant growth, but you have to be very vigilant and maintain that you're not, uh, you're not clogging those misters. And uh, there's even passive sub-irrigation. There's a bunch of different ways that you can do this. And I just wanted to give you guys an idea of the difference between hydroponic growing and soilless indoor growing using a soilless mix that basically is meant to mimic soil rather than uh, a medium that's meant to just hold the roots in an inert uh, fashion. So that is the lecture on hydroponics. Very cool. And yeah, please everybody go do uh, check out Danko's History of Hydroponics at hightimes.com. May I say, something I like about you, you are not afraid to tell people how great you are. So <laughs> I think we all appreciate that a great deal. Well, you know... Yeah, with greatness comes uh, great responsibility. Mm, deep. All right. <laughs> Let's say we uh, move on to the Dear Danko section of this. Uh, 
people who have listened to the show previously. Once again, uh, that's Danny Danko. My name is Mike Hughes. Uh, people who listen to the show know that this is the time uh, during the show where we read questions that you, the listener, have sent us, and Dan answers them on air. Uh, there are two ways you could do this. You could email us at freeweed at hightimes.com. That works. Also, Twitter, at Danny Danko, hashtag freeweed. And if you are desperate, at Mike Hughes underscore. Don't forget that underscore, or it won't get to me. Okay. Uh, first question. We met Jake last week, um, and uh, he has a couple questions for us this time. His first one. Uh, I like this. He starts off, uh, thanks for all the great info on Free Weed. Best podcast out there, period. Wow. I don't know about that, but we appreciate it. Yeah. So, Dan, uh, when flushing, do you use pH balanced and filtered water, or do you simply grab a hose and flush? Also, what week do you flush, and do you just flush once? Uh, good question. You can use a hose on outdoor water as long as it is pH balanced. Uh, as long as it's just plain water, you're fine. If you have problems with your water and you know that you have a high pH or, or really low pH, I would try to balance the, the, the pH somewhere around uh, 6.5 to 7 when you're flushing. But a lot of the times your groundwater is going to come around that, around that anyways without adding anything to it. But... Uh, that's different for every every location. As far as what weeks, I would say in the last two weeks or less of of the grow cycle is a, is the time that you need to flush, and you do flush more than once. I mean, I would say throughout that time, you want the plant to get uh, water, but you also want it to leach out a lot of the salts and, and minerals that you've added. So uh, every watering. Uh, when you f during that flushing period, you should be flushing with plain water. And you'll see the leaves start to go a little bit yellowish towards the end, and that's okay. That means that a lot of that nitrogen and, and, and stuff is working its way out. And so that is flushing, and it's very important. Many people do not flush properly, and, and their, their buds do not burn properly after that. All right. Well, thank you, Jake, for that question. Actually, uh, while we're on Jake, uh, he has a second question. And this is interesting. This is about street lights. Um, Jake writes, I have some northern lights and blue rider outside. Uh, the blue rider is an autoflower. There's a street light about 25, 30 yards away. Will this fuck with my plant light cycle? If so, do I have options or am I SOL, which is shit out of luck? <laughs> um, well, with the autoflowering plant, you have nothing to worry about because that plant is going to flower no matter what kind of interruptions there are in its uh, light or dark cycle. The other plant uh, should be okay. Typically what happens, and this is the difference between indoor and outdoor plants, is that outdoor plants can tolerate a certain amount of, uh, of light, whereas indoor plants become more sensitive due to the fact that they go immediately from uh, completely bright to pitch black and back, and so that any interruption of that pitch black darkness will affect the indoor plant a lot more than uh, moonlight or a light from a, a street light will affect an outdoor plant. Now, if the street light is really close uh, and it's on all evening, that plant's not going to flower. But for the most part, if it's in, if it's far enough away and it's not bright enough to really uh, trigger the plant to think that it's still in the vegetative stage, you should be fine outdoors with uh, even a little bit of light leaks that you get from a street light. Um, you have to understand even outdoors that the plant is getting light at night through uh, moonlight and other, uh, you know, other light infiltrations. So uh, basically what happens is they become a little tougher outdoors about uh, light leaks, and, and the wimpy indoor plants uh, 
uh, freak out at the slightest leak, whereas outdoor ones can withstand it. That's right. Those indoor plants are drama queens. So uh, would you say as a general rule, though, maybe don't grow weed near a streetlight? We don't know where Jake lives, but (laughs) I would assume that that might be not the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, ideally you would avoid that anyway because it seems like it would make the plants easier to discover. Um, Right. But if that's where they have to be, I think, especially the otter flower will be fine, and the other one should, like I said, be fine as long as it's not... uh, you know, bred for indoor growth and wimpy like some of these uh, spindly indoor plants that, uh, you know, kind of lose their uh, virility and resistance to things like light leaks. Man, those indoor plants are going to have quite a lot to say to you in Seattle when you're judging them. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Jake, very much. One thing, I, I, I like that you're willing to write out fuck in your email, but for shit out of luck, you actually use SOL. So thank <laughs> you for that. Class that last part up. Uh, one more question we have time for, I believe. Uh, This one is from Pete. He writes, Hey, Danny and Mike, stellar work you're doing. Um, What are your top recommended books that anybody who is serious about growing personal medical marijuana should own? Uh, Can you recommend any books, cannabis or otherwise, related to indoor organic gardening? Uh, Should I just wait for Kyle Cushman to release his book? (laughs) Uh, Great question. Was that a dig at the end there? No, no. I think, uh, uh, you know, there's some great high times books here. I think it's a great compliment to Mr. Cushman as well. It uh, is. He is working on a book um, that should be very comprehensive about the veganic grow method we've discussed. Uh, as far as other books out there, um, the first thing I would say besides cultivation books is educate yourself about cannabis in general. I think The Emperor Wears No Clothes, uh, Marijuana the Forbidden Medicine by Le- Lester Grinspoon, Emperor Wears No Clothes by Jack Herrer. Marijuana Reconsidered by Lester Grinspoon. These are books that just make you, help you to understand. This is like required reading of cannabis, yeah. I believe, right? Yeah. Especially I, Lester's book. and Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, funny enough, I have a list of best marijuana books of all time on Amazon.com. If you search for Danny Danko on Amazon, and, and there's a little profile there with my book, and I have a list there, and the list mania list, and 40 different books on here, so going through here to see uh, cultivation-wise, I think Hashish by Robert Connell Clark is a very important book to understand the history of con- of cannabis concentrates and uh, how they're made, all the different regions that they come from, and and all of that. I think that's great. Nick, yeah, why don't you give us your top ten there? Well, they're not all cultivation. Like I said, there's oh, Emperor wears no clothes. But getting into just strictly cultivation, I have to go with. Marijuana Horticulture, the Indoor-Outdoor Medical Growers Bible by Jorge Cervantes, uh, one of our guests as well in the past on the show. That's really the definitive uh, grower's Bible right there. And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with that. That's uh, Jorge, uh, so- very solid grow information, very comprehensive. Um, I think that um, his Marijuana Grow Basics is a great book as well. And Marijuana Indoors, Five Easy Gardens is a good one a little bit cheaper, uh, and but giving you the idea of uh, seeing a bunch of different strains and gardens being grown. Uh, let's see, Grow Great Marijuana by uh, Logan Edwards is a great one. The Cannabis Grow Bible by Greg Green, uh, that's a great one. Mel Thomas, Cannabis Cultivation, Complete Grower's Guide is on here. Uh, this is a good one, Marijuana Garden Saver. It's a handbook for healthy plants, uh, very much along the lines of how to avoid insects and, and mildews and molds and things like that. That's by J.C. Stitch, who was a contributor to High Times years ago as well. And Cultivating Exceptional Cannabis, that's by D.J. Short, another person who's been on the show, and a wonderful book. Uh, 
very good. And I know Soma has a, a great one specifically about organic growing, which you asked about as well. So that would be my top list of, of grow books. And again, you can check out Amazon.com, search for Danny Danko, and you'll see the whole list of 40 different best marijuana books of all time. Yeah, go check that out. It's a good uh, place to get a little reference. Also, while you're there, think about picking up Dan's book, The uh, Fuel Guide to Marijuana Strains. Uh, you get a strain of the week every week on this show, but the, the book is great. A lot of great photos and a lot of great information. So thank you, uh, Peter, for that question. Hope that helps. And also, yes, please do pick up Kyle's book once it uh, is released. So uh, that does it for the Q&A section. Uh, again, please do contact us, freeweed at hightimes.com by email. Twitter at Danny Danko, at Mike Hughes underscore, and of course, hashtag FreeWeed. That wraps up the cultivation section. Awesome. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back. And uh, I guess that just about wraps it up for episode number 26. It does indeed, and I see you couldn't wait to wrap it up. You, you got some raw papers out there, and you're you're getting ready to roll. Yeah, I always wrap it up with raw papers. Very cool. Well, everyone, thanks again for uh, for checking out episode 26 and bearing with us as we feel out our new mics. It's like the king's speech in here. We're uh, we're distancing ourselves and getting closer and bumping things, but uh, <laughs> it's a great step for us. We're happy about it, and it's only going to start getting better and better. So, thank you for your support and keep listening. Yeah, tweet us if you uh, if you appreciate the new the new sound and new equipment. Uh, I definitely want to thank my guests Rick Cusick, uh, Franco, and Aryan from the Greenhouse uh, for everything. Our sponsors BC Northern Lights. We love you guys. You guys make great grow boxes. And uh, yeah, I mean, what a show! We're just gonna keep chugging along. I love the new equipment. We've got uh, stuff we can take on the road now, and really. Uh, We'll see you guys in Seattle at the Medical Cannabis Cup that we're having there in September. Anybody who I'm going to see in Seattle Hemp Fest in mid-August, come by, say hello, tell us uh, you heard us on Free Weed. All right, that's the show, episode number 26, Real Marijuana Radio. Thanks, guys. Rasta man, now we see are... if I burn your blood clot. We're rolling. Well, what about Rick?